0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 18 of the Two Pad Stack Broadcast uh, podcast. Well, good start there, Ace. Way to go. Uh, Brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions and with SeatGeek. Uh, Remember, if you're looking to attend a live event near you, uh, take a look at SeatGeek. They've got a really cool app that'll uh, show you uh, dynamic pricing, show you if it's a good deal compared to market value with a nice green color or if maybe the the pricing is a little higher than what it should be and it'd be red maybe it's a little time to, to wait before you buy those tickets um check out SeatGeek for any of your live events needs if you haven't used our our promo code yet you are eligible to use our code that code is two pad stack pod the number two p-a-d-s-t-a-c-k p-o-d to save 20 bucks off your first order so once again check out SeatGeek. um Burge, it's been a couple of weeks. We're back. How have you been, my friend?
1: Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I I, I certainly did. Uh, I've had I've had the pleasure of being off of work since last Sunday. We're now over a week into about a week into that. It's been nice to be able to be home, spend time with the kids and the wife, and do you know the holiday stuff. And I, I you know. This is one of my favorite times of year getting into Thanksgiving, getting into Christmas season, especially now that my 3-year-old's going to really understand what's going on. Yeah. Plus the, the infant's first Christmas. I'm excited for that. Nice. And and you know, football hockey in full swing. I'm all all in. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was good, man. It was quiet. And that's the way we kind of like it.
0: Um no traveling, not having to like stress about how clean our house is by mm-hmm. hosting and and that kind of stuff so it was uh just just me the wife and, and the kids we had turkey we had chicken we had all the typical fixings and uh yeah we, it was good we we had a good time and the kids always enjoy the whole process of cooking and, and like participating in that and
1: it's awesome. a good
0: way for us to bond and everything so yeah it was it was a fantastic holiday did you go anywhere did you host
1: uh, I, I will never host a Thanksgiving, dude. I will never do that. That's too much work. My wife definitely won't be interested in that. It's the anxiety and the stress that comes with preparing exactly. the house and pre- preparing the food for Thanksgiving and having people come in—no thanks. Uh, I went to my in-laws. I went to my in-laws. and went to her parents' house for Thanksgiving with the, uh, you know, the three boys. It was nice. We got to eat a bunch of good food, enjoy time with family, watch some quality football. Those are my favorite three F's of Thanksgiving, family, football, and food. Nothing better than that. It doesn't get any better than
0: that for me. You had that rehearsed. I like that.
1: Oh, I've been saying that for over a decade. That's I'm telling you. The three F's of, of, of fall, I look forward to it every year. And I was very fortunate this year. I don't normally get Thanksgiving's off. This year I happen to have it off. I think I did last year too because of the young kid. But it's been nice, it was nice to actually be home enjoy the family time because i've been working a lot lately and it's obviously you're working a lot you're not present at home so it was good to be present at home and be around
0: yeah yeah i mean it's it's definitely fulfilling uh you know just being able to disconnect from the regular monotony of work and, and just kind of sit down and spend time with the fam which is good mm-hmm. you know I, I i work from home usually and I find myself probably not doing as much as I could on that. And, you know, when I just sat back and like, for example, tonight we were supposed to record about 15, 20 minutes earlier and Burr's is messaging me. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, where are you at? What the hell? Come on, where are Bueller, you? I, Bueller, Bueller, I, I lost complete track of time because I was I was watching. I don't know if you ever watched this when you were younger. Do you remember the Road to El Dorado? Yes. Um, yeah. DreamWorks film yep one of my favorites as a kid and i propped it up on my tv it's on netflix right now and my 10 year old watched it with me she had never watched it before and i'm watching the film i'm like holy shit there's like a lot of sexual content in this for like a kid's movie i do not remember like any of these like very (laughs) obvious references as a kid um but yeah so the, the scene where uh the, the high priest walks in and shell is literally on top of Tulio and she's like oh my god the high priest is going to catch me with a god doing that it was like oh my god <laughs> my 10 year old's like dad what were they doing i was like i just pretended not to hear the question i just hit oh yeah board. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah. It's fu- so. It's funny. It's funny watching those kids, those movies that you watched as a kid now as an adult with your kids. And you you hear all these innuendos that went right over the kid's head. They go right over their heads most yep. of the time. And you're sitting there watching that. You're like, whoa, I didn't remember that. Like, I think I was watching Toy Story as I've watched it 200 times in the last month with my with my oldest. And if you look at the wallpaper in I think it's Sid's house, like towards the end of the movie, it's like a it's like a giant pot leaf. It's it's a marijuana oh leaf. God. And I'm like, that, that's a marijuana leaf. I never noticed that before. And obviously, my son doesn't have a clue, you know. As a yeah, kid. It's just a cool leaf, yeah. 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 And I'm like, oh my god, they, they stuck that little Easter egg in there. I'm like, that's hilarious.
0: <laughs> that is funny. Are you uh are you a big Black Friday guy? Do you go shopping?
1: No, the no. I, no, 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 no. She she doesn't like the crowds either. And I'm just like, you know yeah. what? I'll order my stuff online. We were talking off air before I did order myself some some nice lights for my setup down here for for the podcasting. And I did that all online. I I worked plenty of years in retail, so I know what that craziness can be like. I know it's different now post covid with obviously the the growth of online shopping. It's not probably not as crazy going out on Black Friday, but I worked too many of them to actually want to. Get up at like 334, five o'clock in the morning when I really don't have to. Yeah. I value my sleep. I value my sleep and that. Yeah, that it's no deals worth it for me for that. I mean, I don't if I needed something like if I needed a new TV or a new computer monitor or something like that, maybe I'd I'd dabble. But again, I would get the same kind of deal ordering it online and just having it at my house a couple of days later. Yeah,
0: and you also have, like, Cyber Monday coming tomorrow. Exactly. At, at the time of recording. By the time you're listening, Cyber Monday's already coming gone, but mm-hmm. everyone's got a Cyber Week deal anyway, so. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think yeah, it's going to become a thing of the past. I think it's going to become a thing of the past of, you know, waking up and going out and doing it. Well, I mean, shopping. for a
0: while there, like, 10 years ago, I want to say, like, you would go, like, the night of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, it was just going earlier and earlier and earlier. And, yeah. That, I think that drove were, me nuts. That drove me nuts with COVID. And then I also think with the rise of e-commerce like Amazon and everything, you know, there's been a a shift away from that, which is probably a good thing.
1: Let the, let the retail workers spend their Thanksgivings at home with their family as they should.
0: Unless they work at Dunkin Donuts. I need them there. So if I have in the morning, my family, I need my caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. It was really awkward when I pulled up to the drive-thru at Dunks on Thanksgiving and He's like, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I was like, well, do I like say that back? Like you're working at Dunkin Donuts right now. Do I want to tell you like, yeah, I hope you enjoy yours too. <laughs>
1: like, Yeah, I'd say that. He's probably say? getting out. He's probably getting out in the afternoon to go have some turkey. So, I mean, it's not the worst yeah, thing in the world. But as he's a as somebody who like works on Thanksgiving. Yeah. As somebody who works on Thanksgiving regularly, if you're out by one, two o'clock in the afternoon, you're golden. You get the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um. So
0: we uh we were obviously off last week. So apologies without the heads up there. Um I wasn't feeling well, and then it was like, well, we've got the holiday going on as well. So uh Burj and I made the executive decision just to hit the pause button for a week. So that's not gonna happen regularly, but you know, with major holidays, we may take a week off here or there. Mm-hmm. But uh so we've got a lot of hockey to break down last two weeks. Um I, the, the, the first week was great, pretty good. <laughs> Uh the end of the most recent week was not so great. So uh since we talked to you guys last, uh Bruins went uh, into Buffalo and kicked the living shit out of them with a five two mm-hmm. win. Uh that was a great team effort. Um uh, no complaints. Linus Allmark looked good against his old team. Uh and then the Bruins hosted uh Le Montreal Canadiens and uh that went well as well. Another 5-2 mm-hmm. win. Back-to-back 5-2 wins. Definitely. Um, I definitely was had... a...
1: going to say, I think that was the night that they had the 70, you know, Bobby Orr's teams in there raising the banner for the first time, actually getting to raise their banners up at the Garden. That was pretty cool to see.
0: Yeah, what a treat for those
1: guys. Because,
0: I mean, let's just be honest. Like, the whole experience of being a professional hockey player in the 70s is, you know, exponentially different than what it is today. Mm-hmm. You know, there's they they could go and finish their game and then they would go to uh, Saugus at the uh, what is the name of the Chinese restaurant again? Uh, Kowloon. Yeah, they would all just go to Kowloon after the game and just be incognito and just get hammered. Uh, mm-hmm. Very can't different. Do that shit. Like if you went to Kowloon and you saw Brad Martian like putting down brewskis with Charlie Coyle after like, a game. <laughs> yeah, like that would be all over social media. Canceled. Like, <laughs> so um, like they they just didn't get the same kind of experience at all, and it, it, you know, not everything was made for TV, right? Because they had like, uh, Johnny the Chief Busick, uh, in some of the preseason uh, media day during training camp and everything like that, and and Johnny Busick's like, man, like we would just show up, do like a one week training camp, and that would be our only conditioning. We wouldn't have a media day. We wouldn't have these headshots or anything. Like, we would just go play hockey. Um, and they didn't, like, the, the raising the banners like a TV event, now. Mm-hmm. Like, that didn't exist back then. Yep. But it's a really cool thing, too, right? Like, it's, it's a marquee event. People want to be in the stadium for when they're doing those. So, uh, you know, for them to get that experience that they've seen, you know, modern champions get, I think it was a really nice touch. And it was really great to see those guys that are still around, mobile and healthy, um, to get that reward.
1: Any time you get to see those big bad Bruins of the of the 70s with Bobby Orr, Derek Sanderson, Chief Busick, Jerry Cheevers, I could go on naming all of them. But anytime you get to see them come back to the garden, it's a spectacle and you want to be in the building for something like that. And I can remember years back when they were in the playoffs and Bobby Orr was, I want to say it was in 2011. He actually was there at the garden after Nathan Horton got hurt and was the one waving Nathan Horton's flag. And the building went absolutely nuts. It went nuts. And anytime you get to bring those legends back into the building, I think it's great as, as a, as a, as a scholar of nostalgia. That's that's like the name of my game. Anything nostalgic, I'm a sucker for. So anything like that, sign me up. If I could have been in the building on that during that game, I would have been there because that would have been something great to see, and something would have, would have been great to take like my father to. My yeah, daddy. yeah, absolutely. you know what I mean. You can bond over that. That would be that would be so cool.
0: Um... I mean, my my stepdad. When I bring him to games, he he still has the Bobby Orr jersey that I gave him when I was like twenty two, and that, that's the jersey he wears to anything. I was like, "We gonna get you like another jersey?" He's like, "I don't want another jersey. I got Bobby Orr." I was like, "Okay, well, that you was one we go too." That was a I time bought time. you that jersey from a Chinese website for like forty bucks <laughs> way back when. Like, I can get you a nicer quality jersey, even even if you just want Bobby Orr, like. Like, the the logo's off, the color of the number's off. It bothers me that you wear it now, but it's got some sentimental value to him. as long as he likes it, that's all that matters. That's all that
1: matters. Absolutely.
0: On that note there, uh, about that team, uh, the big bad Bruins, the the 70s and everything. um, In previous years, I haven't really thought of Phil Esposito in a super positive way. um, Simply because I think he's still a little disenchanted with the way that his time with the Bruins ended. Um he wasn't really stoked to be traded. I think Sinden mm-hmm. was the one that kind of pulled the rug out from underneath him, uh, when Sinden was the GM. Yes, it was him. And uh, you know, Esposito has always kind of, you know, not been stoked in regards to you know how that occurred. And then he went down and founded the Tampa Bay Lightning, which everyone knows is one of my favorite teams in the NHL. <laughs> So he's always talking like in in the media about very pro lightning things, and I'm like,
1: like motherfucker, you were he's, like, he's a one color of commentator for them. He's a color yeah. commentator for them on the radio.
0: Yeah, so he's still affiliated with the lightning, mm-hmm. and I'm like, motherfucker, you were one of the best Bruins goal scorers ever, and like you should be like in in the you know annals of history up here in boston and and still get that level of notoriety that like bobby Orr and, and cam neely and all these other guys get but because you're down there and you hitched your wagon to the fucking tampa bay lightning and, and you just obsess over them like i i don't feel that level of affinity but phil esposito comes up during these events he's already been up once for the centennial he came up for this event as well and i think him being around his teammates from back then, he was on an interview and he was talking about how he hasn't seen some of these guys since he was on the team mm-hmm. in the seventies. Like he's like, it was wonderful. The Bruins did a fantastic job with it. It was great to be involved. And it reminded me that yes, you know, I founded the Tampa Bay lightning and I played for the Rangers and I was supposed to play for the Blackhawks, but I was a Bruin. And when I played hockey, I, I, I'm a bruin. I'm sorry, all these other teams. And hearing him say that, like just that nod back to the legacy that he does mm-hmm. have with the eight spoke to be. And he, it it seemed like he he for the longest time he was kind of suppressing that and burying it in favor of what he had going on currently, which I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to build your your audience and and you know, build your brand with your baby. That's your baby, but it, it shouldn't come at the expense of a great experience that you did have. Absolutely. So I'm really, I'm stoked that he's he's kind of getting back in touch with the fact that he's got black and gold in him.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I you know I remember re- reading the reports and reading all the stories back about when he did get traded. He was very upset about that trade. The trade ended up working out pretty good for the Bruins. I think they got Brad Park and Gene Rattel back in that trade with the Rangers. So I think it, the trade ended up working out great for the Bruins, but... Yeah, he he is an absolute he's absolutely one of the greatest Bruins ever to put on the spoke B. And one of the moments that always will stand out to me and it still chokes me up every time I watch it is when he had his number retired. Ray Bork was wearing number 7 at the old Boston Garden. And in the ceremony they were going to put his number up there but Bork was going to wear it. And Raymond Bork, the class act that he is, came over, took off that number 7, had the 77 on underneath. And gave it to Phil Esposito, and I think somebody—I think it might have been uh, Esp- Esposito himself—came out and said, "I don't think I've ever been held spe- speechless, but like you had him speechless from that moment—an <laughs> yeah. all-time great moment in Bruins history. If you haven't watched the, the clip of that, if you're a new fan or, or whatever, I highly recommend you go on YouTube and search the retirement ceremony for Phil Esposito because it is an all-time moment in Bruins history."
0: yeah it's fantastic and and that that encapsulates who phil esposito is really well i believe because he he's a guy that will talk he loves talking Mm -hmm. that that he just nailed it like for the first time ever i was speechless and Mm -hmm. you know it just goes to say you know what kind of an individual raymond bork is you know ray would have every right to claim you know i have a legacy already you know I'm the captain of this team. I think he was the captain. He was, yep. you know. he was, yep. Yeah. He was, yep. You know, I could definitely keep wearing this. But, you know, as a nod of, of respect towards the legacy of the franchise and Phil himself, you know, that was like the first, like, made-for-TV, like, big showmanship, mm-hmm. like, event on the ice, right? Like, that was – it. Was there were cameras everywhere. It was, like, the first time something like that had ever happened. And, yeah, you nailed it. It's a, It's a great – great memory for, for all Bruins fans. And if you're younger, if you haven't had a chance, like Burr says, take a look on YouTube. Um, it's definitely worth like the five minutes that you'll spend watching the video. Absolutely. Um, Continue down the breakdown for the last two weeks. So Bruins end up uh, choking away a game against the Tampa Bay Lightning in overtime. Uh, slight concern about the team's ability to play in extra time um it seems like the bruins whenever they are in overtime they either don't possess the puck at all or when they do they throw it away far too easily and they don't get the possession back and it's just like the other team just plays keep away until we have players out there that are exhausted and then it's just like an easy breakaway goal or a cross crease goal and it's just like yeah it's frustrating well what do you think is is the root cause for their inefficiencies in OT? I
1: don't I don't know if it's so much that. I'm I'm growing concerned about their ability to close out these games against good teams. We this is the second time this year where they've really given up a big goal at the end of a game to force the overtime and end up losing the game in the overtime and I think you know, as long as long as they don't create a real habit of this, and you know we'll get into you know some concerns about the team when we you know we get further into the breakdown here. but it's 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 one of those things. three on three overtime is a different animal. I think we can both agree to that. The whole purpose of them going three on three is to get a goal and get it within that five minute time frame that they have. And all it takes is for somebody to get caught up ice for. A one of the, your typical cross crease, you know, those are those are the kind of goals you're going to score in overtime. It's going to be those those plays where you may have a man up, or it's on the rush, or something like that. I don't recall exactly how this goal went in, but that's the type of goal that you know these guys are training to make in overtime. And there's a little bit of a concern there. I'm, I'm more concerned about that their inability to close it out in regulation, where they've had these these leads in a, in a couple of games this year, obviously can't bash them too much because of how the, the start has gone. But we've we've now seen it a couple of times where they've given up goals late in the game and it's bit them and they only end up walking away with one point at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's some, I don't want to say lack of killer instinct, but like there's they're, they're simple plays to be made to clear the puck and they're almost looking for the perfect scenario to clear it rather than just clearing it um you know and and you've mentioned the other a game and and it's basically a a carbon copy of that Anaheim Ducks game that they mm-hmm. had um you know Bruins had a lead late less than a minute left in the game and they miss a couple clears and then Anaheim scores with like 10 to 20 seconds left forces OT Bruins don't touch the puck in OT and they lose so there's a two point swing right there, not for the bees, but like in general, Anaheim goes from being 20 seconds away from nothing to a full two points just like that. Um, so the bees are leaving leaving extra points on the table. Happened again against Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa bigger scored, against Tampa,
1: bigger against Tampa Bay because it's a divisional opponent
0: and a good divisional opponent, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't have their 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 star goalie. Like we were playing against. Uh, Shit, what the guy? I, Johansson, I believe, is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: wasn't even the goal. So,
0: Vasilevsky, yeah. Yeah, Vasi wasn't even in. And he's back now, thankfully, for my fantasy team. But uh <laughs> I could use all the help I can get on that front. But, uh yeah, the Lightning ended up scoring, I think, with like one second left.
1: Five. It and, was five. Five seconds. Yeah,
0: something like, yeah, yeah, some ridiculous amount of time. And once again, missed clears. And once again, no T hits. And Bruins don't have any possession and, and the Bolts go down and score.
1: And, and one of one the things to bring up in this game, they were outshot significantly in this game. They are outshot 47 to 27 in this game. The whole, we know that the Bruins are going to be in situations this year where this is going to happen. They're yeah. built defense, goaltending first, all of that. But you got to find the way to close the games out when you got a lead with three minutes to go in the game. That's that's what it comes down to. And you gotta be able to weather that storm for that last three minutes. Make the saves you need to make, get the clears you need to make. If you don't get that, this is what's gonna happen. And it's honestly, it might be the formula that it takes to beat these Bruins. You know, if you're gonna be playing them tightly throughout, you know, the first two and a half periods, this is gonna be the kind of the formula that's gonna that's gonna hurt them.
0: Yeah, it just it it feels like. The defense just is not quite doing enough, and there's a lot of, a lot of plays that could be made to get transition up the ice, and they're just like chipping it into spaces, and a lot of like hope and pray type plays are going down instead of you know making the the right play, and I think a lot of that is still because we have some players that are are still figuring out the system or we have some players that just aren't NHL caliber players back there in the blue line. So I, I know, I, I think Kevin Shattenkirk is, is doing well enough, um, but he's probably still figuring out the system. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, you know, coming from Anaheim where they, they run a different defense. Um, Ian Mitchell coming from <laughs> Chicago. I, I don't think it's the system with Ian Mitchell. Like I just think that this guy does not have the hockey awareness to make the smart play. He kind of reminds me of uh, um, Matt Bartkowski out there, uh, where he just like panics and dishes it to no one, hoping that there's going to be a player there, and it ends up being a turnover. I want to say like seventy five percent of the time, it's it's ridiculous.
1: They, they they they're also weathering injuries. They've had a lot of injuries on the back end in the front end as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a seventh defenseman, you want him to come in there and just eat minutes and not show up. You don't want to hear his name. You don't I don't want to, want to notice can, him. You don't want to notice him. Exactly. You want him to come out, make the safe play, and just eat minutes. That's that's his whole purpose as a seventh defenseman is to do that. And I know we we, we probably feel the same way about somebody on the forward lines that, that, that checks into the lineup frequently. We can get into that whenever you want. Patrick Brown, I your boy. Yes. You want that same as the seventh defenseman, but that – what is it? The 13th forward. You want him yeah. doing the same thing. Don't show up. We don't want to see you. If you score a goal. Great. That's awesome. You show up that way. That's house Otherwise, money. That's house money. Exactly. Otherwise go out there, eat your minutes, get on the bench. I don't want to notice you. I don't want to hear don't your name. I don't even liability. know. You're, I don't want to, I don't want to even know you're in the lineup. Yeah. If I turn tune into a game and you know, halfway through the first period, I don't want to even know you're in the game. I don't even yeah. want to know. Go out there, eat your minutes, play sound defensive hockey. That's it. And... Yeah, I want to. I want to notice your name
0: at, with a secondary assist on the score. scoresheet. Like, oh holy shit, you were. I didn't even know that guy was in the lineup. Yep, like, yep, yep, yeah. Because because ninety percent of the time, I'm gonna notice you because you fucked up. <laughs> That's how I'm gonna notice you. Like, where were you? You blew your coverage on this guy. You left this guy wide open on the back door. You. Wired the puck around the boards when there was a simple play, like there's there's like thirteen other things you can do, and you do the exact opposite of that. <laughs> and I'm like, just face palming so hard. It's oh, it's the worst.
1: I get that. Um, I get that.
0: Yeah, and honestly, you know, shout out to the to Oscar Steen fans. Like, I think Oscar Steen is suddenly somebody that I think is probably who I would like on this fourth line right now over. Patrick Brown, um, don't ever shout out that infatuation. He can fit not in. Not the infatuation, just the player. You know, I don't, I don't subscribe to fan clubs uh, for individuals. Like, I'm a Bruins fan. I'm not a, I'm not a Jacob Lauco fan. You know what I mean? Like, it's if you wear black and gold, as long as you're not a piece of shit like Mitchell Miller, I'm gonna be like supporting you. So, um, anyways, yeah. Bruins end up pulling off a win against the Florida Panthers three one. Uh thought that was a really good divisional matchup. Charlie McAvoy was getting lit up in this game, and it started off very not good. Like the Panthers were out possessing, out skating, out hitting. They had like uh 10 shots. Uh when the Bruins had like one. And uh they the Bruins just didn't start on time, but they weathered the storm. And they got a goal back in the first period to bring it even, and then in the second and third period, they played their game and they played with the way that the Bruins have to if they're going to be successful this year. Um, what were your thoughts about the Panthers game?
1: I want to go back a little bit here too to kind of okay. it's, going to, it's going to pan into my thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah. But the the uh, the Montreal Canadiens game and the Tampa Bay Lightning game. Was the first time we saw a consecutive start for a goaltender, Jeremy Swayman. I heard a lot of people saying, Oh, Omar wanted the Panthers. He wanted the Panthers. Well, I, I want to know your thoughts on that as to why they made the decision to go with the consecutive start when they did. Is it because Luis Omar wanted revenge against the Panthers? Like, are we going to buy into that narrative that, like, oh, the team listened to him and he's going to go play against the team he wants to play against? Are we going to subscribe to that? Or are we just going to subscribe to the fact that, hey, Swayman's been playing very, very well. He's arguably been better than, the better of the two, and that's no knock on Linus Olmark as to how he's played, but he's been the better of the two out of the gate, so the game the consecutive start. Do you think they should have done it when they did it? You know, I don't know if I, yeah, technically it was,
0: it was back-to-back starts, but I think that because there was a back-to-back game, I don't think it was Linus Olmark that made the call. I think Goalie Bob Asenza likes the matchup that Linus Olmark provides against Florida over Jeremy Swayman for one reason or another. I can't ever pretend like I know what goalie Bob Asenza is saying, but from from what I had heard is that the Bruins wanted Olmark against Florida, so it wasn't it wasn't as much of a nod towards Swayman saying, "All right, here you go, kid, you deserve back to back starts," but it was a strategic planning of we want Olmark versus Florida. Um but I agree with you, though. I think that Swayman, at that point, deserved another start. Uh, you could argue including... that
1: both of them deserved a consecutive start at that point. But Swayman has yeah. been the better guy.
0: Yeah, and that and that continues. I mean, it goes right back to the most recent games, even after the Florida Panthers game. Like, Swayman was let out to dry against that Detroit team. Uh, 5-2 loss in that game. Um, probably could have made a couple saves that he didn't, but uh defense is just playing like dog water. uh I don't mm-hmm. know if it's the matinee if they had had to trip to fan in their system from all that turkey or they didn't want to go skating and you know, play system play their system defense but uh, yeah, that was a rough one.
1: It was a rough it was a rough watch. I'm gonna push back a little bit on that to say that he was left out the drive you're gonna i know where you're you're kind of going with this with. We'll get into the Rangers game here, but both of these goalies were left out to dry in both of these games, and I don't know the reason why yeah. it was the case and what happened. It, I mean, the Red Wings game—they were dominated the whole game. I don't—I don't know if you want to get into your whole referee talk with this at all about about that game, or if you're going to save it for the Rangers game. But like, I—I I don't really have much else to say about that that Red Wings game, other than the fact that they just I got just... completely outplayed.
0: Yeah, no they did. And and you know, you can have your complaints about the officiating all you want. I do. I do it often when there's bad calls. I vocalize that <laughs> a lot. Uh cuz I honestly this year I have seen some of the worst fucking officiating I have seen in my entire time of watching hockey and I just I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like it's, it's across the, all sports. It's across all sports it, this year, man. It's, it's ridiculous, awful. dude. Like and, and And I don't want to be like, oh, I've got the homer glasses on here, which I can do sometimes. But, you know, I feel like, you know, a perfect example. We're going to have to hit the fast forward button. In this fucking Rangers game, Jacob Truba takes a full fucking two-handed swing and slashes Trent Frederick in the helmet. Trust me, Truba. Sometimes I wish I could fucking do that too. But, like, not even a two-minute fucking high-sticking call? wasn't even penalized like the guy literally took a two-handed overhead swing and hit frederick in the head and you've got people like mike russo from the athletic over in minnesota they're like well actually if you look at the reverse camera angle you can see why it happens his arm was no you just showed me another camera angle where jacob Truba's is fucking two-handing somebody in the helmet like there's no way to get around that and the department of player safety I was like, okay, well, you know, sometimes the refs miss a call. It happens to us all the time. Uh and uh surely he'll get like a couple games for this at least. No, the guy that is a you know professional headhunter gets a 5k fine. Like Jake. It was very
1: quick too. They were very quick to announce that, I feel like. It was like the next morning. Oh, yeah. Next morning. Oh,
0: yeah. The NHL doesn't want to upset their fan base that their offices are based in,
1: obviously. Here we go. Here we go. I saw it real time. I can understand why they missed it. That's not me justifying the play, saying it shouldn't have been a suspendable offense or anything like that. But real time, it was in a scrum in front of the net. What Mike Russo said, you could argue that in real time. You saw that. Okay, you missed the call. Fine, I can live with that. Sure, I if you lose a call, that. it happens. But when you have ample time to break down a
0: replay, like they did for the Charlie McAvoy situation, Ooh. and I'm not saying McAvoy was in the right or or didn't deserve a suspension. McAvoy absolutely deserved a suspension on what he did. But we've seen things that are just as egregious, just as bad, get far less than what Charlie McAvoy got. Like, a, uh, for example, the cross-check to the back of the guy's neck while he was prone on the ice. That guy got, like, maybe, what, one game, I think, mm-hmm. for that? Um A lot less. Yeah. And then you've got the two-handed baseball tomahawk chop to the side of Frederick. So let's let let let's back up here. So if, if Trent Frederick was the guy that swung his stick like that, and let's say he hit Lucas Raymond on the Detroit Red Wings on the helmet, what do you think Lucas Raymond would do to make sure that everyone saw that he got hit in the head? Flop? Oh yeah, he's gonna throw himself down and thrash on the ice like he's Mike Ribeiro. like it. Uh, and then he would get the call, probably a major, because the refs would be like, "Holy shit, he's fucking hurt!" And then they'd look at the replay and they say, "Oh wow, look at what happened. That's a five-minute mm-hmm. major game misconduct." The the, the Detroit uh, power play merchants would go on the power play for the next fifteen minutes and score three times, like it's. And I don't know. Maybe Trent Frederick needs to flop there. Like all he did was like, like, which is the natural reaction of getting fucking hit in the head. But if that's what's going to be the difference between winning and losing right now, like, I don't know what the fuck to say. Like it's it's so frustrating.
1: I would have rather have seen Trent Frederick like go after him at that point. Yeah, do something. That kind of role that he's filling and that that, what he's built as as a player. I want to see him go after him. Like he's a he's he's no longer a, a a young kid coming up into the NHL. He's been here for a few years now. Dude, stand your ground on something like that. But going going back to the whole the whole scenario, I'm not surprised. We've talked about it on this podcast before. The Department of Player Safety cannot get out of their own way when it comes to assessing supplementary discipline for these types of plays. They are wildly inconsistent and there's there's, there's nothing else to say about it. Like one guy's going to get 5 games may have been suspended once. Another guy's going to get a $5,000 fine. And yes, like I like the way Truba plays. I love the way he brings that physical presence. And yeah, he's borderline. He plays with an edge and he he plays on, you know, he teeters on the line. I like the way he plays, but this, this is an inexcusable play. At the end of the day, you have time to look at the footage of it. You're not making a call in real time. Like the officials were. Yeah. They missed a call. whoop de doo That happens. Every game happens all over the time across all 32 teams. It happens to everybody live with it it's part of the game but having the ability to sit there and break down that type of play where he's clearly you can even see in the video where like the stick comes around he's looking right at frederick and he's got the force and you could see it snap into his face like he he was intending to do it whether or not like it got held up and it looked looked it didn't look as severe but like his intent was clear he was trying to hit frederick with the stick maybe he wasn't trying to hit him in the head I I'll give Truba the benefit of the doubt that he wasn't trying to smack him in the face. I don't think Truba is that fucking stupid that exactly. he would only do that. But, but he was he trying was to sl- hit him. He was trying to hit him with the slash. You got to
0: control where your stick goes, like hundred percent basic hockey shit, right? Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So it's 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 just super disappointing. Um, it it it's like it just feels like it's a situation where they're just like the the. Typical spin the wheel. Nobody knows what the hell we're going to get, right? Just, just fucking spin the wheel, and, and the Department of Players' safety will determine if you're going to get a bank on the bum or a five-game suspension.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, but putting that all aside and, and trying to break down these two bad losses for the Bruins because they, they were wildly outplayed, I think, at both games. You can argue they were kind of in the, the Ranger game a bit, but they, they didn't show up on time. They were down early. I think they went three quarters of a period without a shot in the first period, something like that. And, you know, my biggest takeaway from these two games, more so the Detroit game than the Ranger game, but it did impact in the Ranger game is the penalty kill. You could argue all you want about Detroit being power play merchants and all that. And the calls were bad and all that. You still got to kill the penalties guys they have the league best penalty kill going into these two games and they got exposed. I believe that they absolutely got exposed in this and they're going to have to make some changes to make this thing work because other teams are going to capitalize on it going forward, especially, especially the good teams in the league and you know, their defense and their goaltending broke down in this, Um, you know, giving up 12 goals in two games. That's kind of unheard of for the tandem that, you know, we've had all year just, You know, to start the year, they've been so elite. They've been the best goalies in the league, both of them by far. And seeing them give up 12 in two games, one by each of the two goalies. One game was played by each of these two goalies. It's a little concerning to see that that just that 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 um, I don't know the word I'm looking for here, but like that 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 steadfast hold of the defense in the goaltending might not have said the right word there it's i'm drawing a blank right now Got a lot going to you know, it, head, but like the the defensive side of the game
0: is what's supposed to be the bread and butter of the bruins and that's what looked the worst in these two games and that's That's what they fall back weird. on.
1: That's what they fall right. back on when they yeah, can't it's a safety net. You know and you know once and in you know, say what you want about the game. But once the Rangers had four goals in this game, I'm like, I don't think the Bruins can can hang with this because we're you know, we're talking all year, like the Bruins have got to win games, they gotta win them the greasy way. Two, one, three, two, four, three, that kind of that kind of win. And once the Rangers got four five, I'm like, all right, that's it. And I mean the Bruins did score four in this one, which was good. They were playing a geriatric version of Jonathan Quick, who has been really good as the backup there in new york what a surprise man yeah big time i
0: thought i thought his career was cooked um you know he didn't look great in his time with vegas um and Mm -hmm. i just i he didn't really look great towards the tail of his time with la um but it seems like going to his favorite team his hometown team he's a connecticut kid who grew up as a rangers fan Mm -hmm. you know maybe that rekindled something but you know, I haven't watched a lot of him playing with the Rangers. I'm just looking mm-hmm. at stats. He uh, he looked a little scrambly in net there against the Bruins, mm-hmm. and I mean the bees still scored four goals. And as I mentioned to Burge earlier today, I saw a stat that even though we couldn't keep the puck out of our own damn net, Bruins generated the most high danger scoring chances that they did all season in that rangers game so it's not all bad there's still some things that the bruins can take away as positives we will take those moral victories like the canadians teams did for a long time and uh you know i think i think they just gotta go back to basics get a couple practice days in figure out what the hell's going on in in the def- defensive end here and uh you know i don't know we'll see how it goes bruins are back in action on uh, Monday tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow Monday. So day before you're here in this episode, bees are back at it. Who who are they playing? I
1: don't they are playing the Columbus Blue Jackets on the road. Oh, okay. Well, that that
0: should be that a should good be game good. to rebound. <laughs>
1: get right, a get right game. You know, can we talk about Charlie McAvoy cleaning out his own teammate in the Ranger game, Maddie Patra? Yeah, i thought what a he, I thought beautiful sure hit by
0: Charlie McAvoy. I thought
1: for sure he was, Patra was concussed on that. He ended up coming back in, which was really promising to see. But, like, I don't know what happened there. I mean, just a bang, bang play. It was a great Jack
0: Edwards says Keystone Cops. (laughs) Just fucking ridiculous. Like, and this was right on the heels of the Bruins, like, getting outshot ten nothing. And then Mm -hmm. Charlie McAvoy lights up Matty Patra. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Now so not only we're we getting our fucking asses kicked, it's already 2-0, I think, at this point mm-hmm. as well. And then Charlie McAvoy destroys our youngest player. Um, and like you said, when when he got up, he looked like he didn't know what dimension he was in. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like he just stepped through the, the uh wardrobe and, and it's in Narnia or something. <laughs> like he uh he was struggling, and I was like, dude, like it might be a few games till we see matt potter back but thank goodness i don't know maybe it's that you know you have k- young kids toddlers and shit i'm not saying matt potter's a toddler but these kids can fall and they bounce right back up yeah. real quick i'm like holy shit like these kids are made out of rubber right like yeah. maybe maddie Matty potter still has some of that toddler rubberized uh you know bones shit going on still who knows
1: it's good that he's all right because we can sit here and we can laugh about it right now
0: exactly exactly yeah
1: and i thought um you know especially
0: in that florida game once again uh i think Matty potter made another poor turnover mm-hmm. um maybe it was the detroit game i forget they are it's been two weeks guys they're all fucking blending in together for me now my life's a blur anyways uh <laughs> maddie potter made a, a once again a, a, a rookie mistake which is gonna happen and i love that rookie mistake and you know what does jim montgomery do doesn't limit his time sends him right back out there the next shift and he has some of his best shifts he's had and and he's been really really good so yeah i definitely shout out to jimmy montgomery on on that side of things i think he's handling the young kids really really well um I'm liking the development that I'm seeing out of the younger
1: players. So, in, in, in talking about Montgomery, I there was like there was a point in that Ranger game. I think they were down two. Was it two nothing or three nothing at that point where they were getting outshot? He called the timeout and he was ripping, ripping the team. You could see it on you see it on the Nesson feed where he's he's. You could tell he's animated. He's not happy. And what do they do after that? They come back and they they tie a game. So that was a great great display of coaching to take yeah. that timeout there. Absolutely slow the game down. Start talking or yelling at your team to say, get your heads out of your asses here. Let's go. Like this isn't a, this isn't peewee hockey. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Get out here. Now we got to get some shots to, if we're going to score goals and lo and behold, it worked. So I thought that was a great display of coaching on his part to take that time out when he did and to, to, to communicate the way that he did. Cause it clearly something set in with the guys on the, on the bench and it worked and it didn't work in the end result, but it worked in the short term in the game where they got back into the game.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was really cool to see. It was kind of like a coaching chess match there in the first period because New York came out dominated once again, like this has been a recurring theme for the Bruins the last two weeks, slow starts and they're finding themselves behind the eight ball and they're having to crawl back in. But anyways, like you said, Bruins are down two nothing outshot 10 to one McAvoy destroys Matt Potra, blah, 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 blah. And then Monty pulls that, that timeout card out of the deck. And the Bruins get it going. And then it's the Rangers who suddenly give up two goals in like 25 seconds. Mm-hmm. And and Laviolette is like, whoa, I don't know what the hell it is, Laviolette, right? He's yep. the yep. Rangers now? Yep. Yeah. So Laviolette's like, all right, let well, we're gonna do the same thing. And they called the a timeout. And then what happens is the Rangers have like a dominant shift immediately mm-hmm. after that. So it's really kind of fascinating how that was happening. And you don't usually see, you know coaching take an immediate impact on the on-ice events in hockey as much as like other sports Mm -hmm. you know because other other sports have a lot of like breaks in the play and a way to you know alter tactics on the fly um you know hockey is a little bit more of a free-flowing natural sport that doesn't give you that chance to to do that um but to see some of that you know tactician you know check and checkers and the type of stuff from the coaching staff it, it was really cool to see
1: absolutely and you know i i hope we see more of it I, again i love that response from montgomery and you know going back to when they hired him I, he was the favorite that i wanted them to hire back you know a year and a half to you know whatever it is a year and a half ago quinn. i did not want dave you know dave quinn i did not want him No way, no way. I wanted Jim Montgomery as soon as his name surfaced as a as a potential fit. I'm like, bam, he took. He almost took Dallas to the Stanley Cup before he had his personal issues. He's got his personal issues figured out. Bring him here. If it's not going to be my boy Butch Cassidy, I want Jimmy Montgomery. And it, you know, I've been very impressed with him. And we we said it on the pod before about how people were calling for his head last year in the playoffs. Thank God they. So management. Thank God the management didn't listen to. You know, these uneducated fans that like to, to spew their recency bias on Twitter all the time. Thank God they didn't listen because this guy, regardless of how this year goes, they're already overachieving as to what the expectations were going into this year. He He's he's an absolute fit behind the bench for this team.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I really enjoy the fact that he lets his personal shortcomings, like, and the lessons he's learned as a man, as a hockey player, and he's not afraid to to talk about that with his team mm-hmm. you know he he will use these things as you know reasons to talk about how he's become a better person and, and a better player and you know let the players use those lessons that he learned and and not have to make the same mistake so yeah i'm right there with you i think and especially like on the dad's trip like you heard him give that pregame speech although it didn't really translate well to a great start but he's <laughs> like uh you know we all Cherish the 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 logo on the front you know we we respect the history the legacy of it you guys have your own names on the back right and you got those names from your dads and your dads are here because they've invested in you Mm -hmm. they've invested in your success now get out there and show that you appreciate what they've invested in you and that name on the back just as much as you care about the the crest on the front
1: and absolutely i was like hell yeah hell yeah i love that shit you can buy into that kind of that kind of narrative all day long. You buy into it. I love it. I love it.
0: Yeah. And meanwhile, Bobby wears just chilling with the dads in the Florida Panthers box. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. What a gem. <laughs> oh. Um. In other news, uh, just yesterday, I got my jersey, my Linus Allmark home centennial sweater in uh got that from sport stitches uh, so if you don't want to buy your jersey from terrible production companies such as the boston pro shop or cool hockey or any of them although cool hockey has a good product i'm not gonna lie but uh you know nice local guy um you can f- check him out at uh on twitter at boston 29 runs a company called sport stitches does You know jersey customizations uh sells jerseys um really cool stuff so really high quality i love the jersey it's a great looking sweater uh definitely take a peek at that um we have a question um yeah so we have a question from tommy uh who's asking about you know, just to generate some more offense, should the Bruins go ahead and break up the top line of David Pasternak, Pavel Zaka, and Brad Marchand? What is your thought?
1: I'm not there yet. They've had two losses in a row here. It seems like if we're going to start making wholesale changes like that, that's a pretty major change, I would say, to what's been working for this team in the first half of the of the season or the first quarter of the season I think we're at now. I I'm not there yet. And if we see another couple of games where this stuff is, is really becoming a problem and they're starting to drop these games and they're not generating the offense that they need to generate, play with the lines, shake it up. That's what the coaching staff is for. Go out there, try to put your best foot forward and make adjustments on the fly in the games as needed. But again, I'm not there yet. They have not shown me enough that they're, having significant issues putting the puck in the net, especially where they just scored four goals against the Rangers, which again, how this team is built, four goals should win them. Absolutely. Yeah, And if they're not winning games when they're putting in four goals, the forwards aren't the problem. It's the defense and the goaltending. That's the problem at that point. And yep. you need to figure out where the source of that problem is and weed it out from there. But in terms of the offense, I'm not, I'm not at the point yet to, to start messing and tinkering with, What's been working so well over, you know, better than anybody I think expected. Oh yeah, at the start of the season. Yep.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I at the beginning of the season, I had the Bruins pegged as a wild card team. Um,
1: I had them missing the playoffs.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you try to be so hard of it, like an anti-homer, that you're just disrespectful to your own team. It's kind <laughs> of funny. Um, you know, one thing I will say, and I know it's like sacrilegious to talk shit about. Brad martian as some people I, mean, I need a lot more i need more out of brad martian right now i know you're like the captain of the uh uh anti brad fam club um anyways like i think brad is trying to do too much out there and he's trying to force passes that aren't there and it's resulting in in turnovers and and if it's not in the back of our net you know the bruins are getting hemmed in for like 45 seconds because Brad Marchand's trying a cross-crease path that isn't there. Whether it's on the power play, whether it's 5-on-5 five five after some good possession time, it's it, it's it's starting to get frustrating. And he's not doing enough offensively to make up for those gaffes right now. So I don't know if it's the weight of the sea on his chest that he feels like he needs to generate things and he's not making the right plays because he, he has that much pressure on him or what, but especially in these last two games. Like I I need Brad Martian to be a leader and not be the kind of player that's causing these turnovers that are putting the Bruins in a compromised position.
1: Couldn't agree more. I've seen him take some bad penalties too at bad times of games in the last week or so. That's concerning. I don't want to see that he's going to fall back to what he was because I don't think that's going to be the case. But that's the kind of stuff that you just can't have. You can't make these little extra shoves, you know, these extra cross checks or slashes. That that you would have made when you were a younger player because you know every the eyes are on you everybody knows what you are and you're a rat and I just don't want to see that become a consistent pattern as the year goes on so like that coupled with what you said Ace I agree with you 100 I just I, I I want to see them get back to what they were doing I want to see Brad be that leader make the right decisions with the puck and without the puck
0: agreed agreed. Um, uh, so the 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 NHL has found itself under scrutiny lately for their new rule this year, uh, not allowing players to wear theme night jerseys or uh, go out there and and do any kind of customization in favor of any type of cause or activism or anything like that. Uh mainly because there was like seven players that decided that they wanted to be a bigot and not wear rainbow pride jerseys or whatever because suddenly it was against their religion despite them already doing it like five times. Um so the NHL caters and in, in, in caved into these people, and then they decided that if you know we can't just say rainbow stuff, like we're gonna just eliminate all activism, blah 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 blah. And it really came to uh, a head recently uh i want to say was it last night first
1: that this occurred it was it was i it was over the last few days i don't think it was last night but i think yeah. it was the last few days might have been like the day before thanksgiving
0: yeah so mark-andre fleury uh the goaltender for the minnesota wild he's been in the league for a while everybody knows flower um, everybody knows that he's one of the best teammates you can have. He's got an immense reputation as just being the nicest guy. Mm-hmm. And he's always been one to give back to his community that he's uh, you know, playing in. He was one of the favorite players for the Golden Knights when they first started. Um, he was idolized in Pittsburgh, won a cup or two, one or two. Or anyway, Maybe but I, <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh but yeah, he, he uh just just a stand up guy and and what are they going to do? the The Minnesota Wild have a uh, you know Native American Appreciation Night, and uh, Mark Andre Fleury's wife is uh, is Native Canadian, I believe, mm-hmm. and uh, he had a custom mask made that he was going to auction off at the uh, end of the game for charity purposes, and uh, was going to wear it during warm ups and maybe even the game. I don't know. But the NHL got word of that. The NHL sent a memo out to the Minnesota Wild. Oh, this is against the rule. Marc-Andre Fleury is not allowed to wear this mask. Um, We're going to fine your team if he wears this mask. Um, How fucking out of touch are you that you would try to enforce this a bullshit policy as it is on a charitable endeavor? Like... What are we even doing here? Like, I don't even understand the purpose of this at this point. Like, the NHL, it, there's there's no reason for the NHL to put themselves in a position where they are actively having to get bullied out of their own policy by their own fans.
1: To, it, it, it's asinine to me. The, the, the part of it for me, like, it was an unbelievable mask. And it's very subtle. There's nothing really there's nothing wrong with the mask that he had on and you know, kudos to him for still wearing it. But the thing that bothers me the most is like, he knew that he was going to face backlash from the league when he was going to go out there and wear it. He was like, I'm going to wear it anyways. I'll pay the fine. I don't care. I'm going to support my wife It's for charity. They're going to auction the helmet off. I believe for charity. To Last I saw boss. it's already at
0: $16,000. Let's
1: go. That's great. That's awesome. The part that bothers me the most is that the league Knew that he was going to wear it anyways, and went after the organization to try to say, "Hey, you're going to face some, you're going to face some penalties for this if he wears this mask." Good on the organization for letting him do it, and good for Mark Andre Fleury for standing up to it. I think it's a most asinine thing for them to come down on something like that. It's a mask. I think he only wore it in warmups. He wore it in warmups. Yeah. Didn't even wear it in the game, so it's not even going to be seen on TV. It's not even going to be seen during the game on TV. It's worn in warmups. And kudos to everybody who's bid on that, who's had the means to be able to bid on a mask like that for the, for the charitable cause. I think that's great. I've always liked Marc-Andre Fleury going back to the 24-7. I don't know if you remember watching those where he was on a on a flight and he lost a shootout. He had to wear the, the Christmas sweater, him and Brent Johnson back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And he's sitting there giving an interview and he looks and he noticed, him and Sidney Crosby noticed Ben Lovejoy, pride of conquer New Hampshire right there with a massive expanding face i don't know if you've ever seen the clip he got hit in the face with a puck and his face swelled out he had a massive lump on his face and you hear them talk about it it's only like a 10 second 10 second clip on youtube but it's the funniest thing ever seeing Sidney crosby and mark andre Fleury's reaction to this he's like it's unbelievable i fully support mark andre Fleury. i think he he's been a goalie he's been around since i think it was, it's going on 20 years now being around the league i feel like he started like 0506 or something i think he like was that. the first overall pick i think it was the 2003 draft that he was he was he was selected so he's been around a very long time a respected member of the nhl players community and for the nhl to do something like this is an absolute joke and it goes for all causes it's, it's not just a native american heritage month thing that yeah know, that's going on my here. biggest thing like it's all causes it's like who Cares? Who cares if if they wear a rainbow jersey? Like, who cares?
0: If the the players want to use their platform to advocate for a cause, so be it. Like, especially in warmups, you know. Who cares? I understand managing a rigid uniform during an actual game but during warm ups like get your panties out of a bunch here guys like let the players represent the causes that they want like we want the players to be able to yes. to demonstrate their personality and what yes. they care about and and their community and and we're just shooting ourselves in the foot here like we're already like probably the number 4 major sport here by and far you think, yeah you think you're going to get out there and get like Great public news or, or media out there when it, you get another oh yeah NHL doesn't allow player to you mm-hmm. know feature charitable cause like what the fuck does that even say like it it's just
1: it's such a bad look it's 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 a league that doesn't know how to market market its own players and when the players try to market themselves they put a kibosh on stop it stop that it's, don't do it's, that it's a joke it's an absolute joke and who cares if somebody wants to use rainbow themed tape on their stick during a game nobody is gonna notice that. On a broadcast, obviously with social media, it gets brought up, but like the NHL is the reason it's getting brought up because of their asinine rules. It's a joke. Yeah. It's an absolute joke. And kudos to Mark Andre Fleury for standing up to the, to it. He's he, he doesn't care. He, he doesn't care. He's been in the league 20 years. He's going to retire in a couple a, a year or two, <laughs> yeah, maybe right? who cares? Like, what does he care? Good for him. Good for him.
0: I love it. I hope more players do it until uh the NHL finally realizes but they're being really fucking especially stupid,
1: especially with the goaltenders. The mask is how the goalies express themselves. Let's be real. I We both play goalie. I've had my my mask painted custom for me growing up, playing in high school and college. Like it's how I express myself. I wanted to to have a sweet mask with my name on it, the logo of the team I'm playing on. That was my choice. But if I wanted to put Native American heritage on my mask, nobody should be sitting there telling me not to do it. Yeah, Let me do it's it. Honestly, None of your has, fucking business has I'm nothing kidding. to do with the game, has nothing yep. to do with the game of hockey. Yep.
0: Agreed. Uh, well, there there's, there's the two pad stack official stance on the NHL's policy here. I don't think we're saying anything too alien or out of left field here. It's, it's, is really just don't be a dick. Do the right thing. It's absolutely it's, it, it, it. It's free to not be an asshole. So, um, So as we're wrapping up today's episode, um, we're going to wrap up with some somber news Mm -hmm. um, from the Bruins side of things, the goaltending side of things. Um, Former, so Mike Vaughn, the maker of the Vaughn brand goalie gear was asked by Andy Moog to share the news that he was diagnosed with cancer and and, uh, nobody has gotten the news of what type of cancer it's really irrelevant at this point right Mm -hmm. now like what we would like to do here at the two pad stack is just express our well wishes best of luck in this battle andy um you know our thoughts are with you um just really sucks so um yeah if you didn't know uh now you know um and we're really hoping that andy comes out of this on top
1: absolutely you know andy's one of my was my first favorite goalie uh, as a young young kid sent him letters he sent me an autograph card back you know right after he was traded from boston to dallas i got a nice dallas card with his autograph on it had his poster on my closet door jeez until i was in high school he was unbelievably my favorite goalie as a young kid and seeing that news i came across i think i shared it with you ace it was it was awful to see that and like you said man if andy wants to listen to us here we're pulling for you we're sending you our best and you know we hope that you you know can fight through this get through it and come out on top and you know we're rooting for you here at the two points. fuck cancer man fuck cancer awful awful it sucks it sucks to see it especially for you know somebody that's been he was a major part of my childhood and it it really does it really does suck to to see that news come out for him. So again, wishing you the best in this battle. We know we know you're a fighter, you're a goalie like us. Goalies are battlers, and we're gonna get through it.
0: Absolutely. On that note, here we're gonna go ahead and wrap up the episode. Um, it's been a good one, a lot of detail to go through. Uh, once again, back on the weekly cadence here. So we will see you guys. Uh, in December, um, uh, Christmas is right around the corner, so make sure you get out there and get that Christmas shopping done. It's not too early to start. Uh, but yeah, um, it was great having everybody in here listening to us. We appreciate your support. Um, make sure you follow us on all of our socials. You can follow uh, Burge at Burge the Goalie on Twitter, you can follow me at Ace in 603. Uh, that is 603 as a New Hampshire. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch y'all next week. All right, have a good week, man. Peace. Peace.